Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerkline. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling. Eyes like the sky. Dude, Oscar Marino, man. Ron uh, Cecil and Daniel. Oscar's one of my favorite names. Okay, this is episode eight of Cutting for Sign. Oscar, the reason we call this Cutting for Sign is because it is the hunter's path of finding the prey, of like deciphering the bent you know, blade of grass and the leaf that's just turned over that is showing us where we're going. And, and I see that as a metaphor for how we do life and how we follow the magic clues that take us to the next level. And I'm going to tell you a story about you and (laughs) you are going to like correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I have this, I have this myth and in the myth, You you have this myth, what of you, Okay. (laughs) And, and the, and that is, you know, I, my very, you were my, you know, employer, the very, my very first office job when I was like 22 years old, now (laughs) 18 years ago, right. I'm 40 years old now. And, and I met this guy in Southern California. You had come out of the music industry out of San Diego, right? Yeah. San Diego. I did a stint in San Diego. Okay, and who was the group that you were like repping or or with or what was in San that? Diego? Yeah, in San Diego, probably Cypress Hill. Okay, Cypress Hill. Okay. Yeah, there was there was uh, a couple, but um, that's usually the one that came up in stories. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So Cypress Hill, I thought it was. Then, uh, then, then a uh, highlight for me, which I think, I mean, there was a lot, but I think you may be talking about uh, when I had pizza with Eddie Vedder. well i remember like thinking what the hell is oscar doing at this office that you and i were were at and (laughs) and i was thinking the same thing about myself like but what i knew about you was like you were the real deal you were like this solid gold guy in there the company was recognizing you you were a great boss you were a great leader you bent over backwards for me and it's, you know, circumstances didn't work out for me to, to be there and all this stuff. And then, you know, you and I have just had the gift of like keeping in touch over this last 18. I cannot freaking believe that. Like yeah. all time. Yeah. It's and, long. and then a few years ago, I mean, I don't know the gap, but a few years ago, I saw, I saw you step back into the music industry and dude, I was like, pumped man i was so happy for you that that like went back into your like life because when you interviewed me i don't know if you remember this but when you interviewed me for me to work for you you're sitting there you've got your boss right next to you like she was like she was the regional manager of like all of southern california yeah and we're having lunch and you're like uh so ron what's your favorite music and I was, dude, I was like, I was so nervous about my first real interview. I was like out in the car, almost throwing up. Like I was like, I was not in a good state. And, and, uh, I go, you know what? There's a radio station here called KCRW and my favorite radio, my favorite show on there is called morning becomes eclectic. And you're like Garth Trinidad, my man, like, 
you know, the DJ and, and, and like in my mind, in my memory, I just remember thinking like you saying you're hired. Like it was like, that was the thing that like sealed the deal for me. And so I've always associated you with having like exceptional taste in music. Cause it's my taste in music, <laughs> <laughs> but, Funny. but I'm like pumped man that you're back in the world. So, so I know there's like a lot of, you know, there's freaking 18 years gap between that, but like, tell us a little bit about where, where you are right now in the music industry, the, the, who you're with, your company, all that stuff. And then like, maybe we work backwards on like how you got back to it. Um, where I'm at right now is really good place. You know, just, uh, I think personally, uh, you know, the, anything that you do really starts with you as the foundation, you know, you're the instrument to everything, right? Your life experience is going to be through your eyes, through your head, through your heart, through your soul. And so, if all that is off, then everything else is going to be through those lenses, you know? And so, um, I basically experienced the real dark part, <laughs> you know, the real dark, dark, dark. And then, uh, you know, I fought my way through that and now I'm like in a really good place, you know? And so that helps me say like real dark, dark, like mental health stuff, family stuff, all the above, like all the above. Okay. All the above plus. <laughs> okay. Cool. All the above plus. <laughs> yeah, we could start with those three, but uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so you know, so it's a lot, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, I can pretty much go wherever you want to go. Um but yeah, all those things are there, you know, and uh I've have you know, so Recently, I've been cycling, right? So I, I guess like maybe this might be able to kind of connect a couple of things kind of quickly. But um, I was cycling and I'm a, I just started like in October. <laughs> but as in everything I do, including like when you met me, I'm always like, I'm always like, go all in, go big or go home. Do you know what I mean? And so I shouldn't be riding a bike the way that I try to ride a bike, you know, <laughs> right now that I just started. But, you know, I do. And then... um. I took a spill on second and PCH at the shopping center. Right. My first month I fell seven times. Okay. And, uh, cracked a rib, you know, all kinds of, of stuff. And, um, one of the times, you know, this guy gets out and he's coming to help me out, you know, and obviously, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, it's cool. I appreciate it. Cause I did, you know, I was like, I, I had, I was laid out for a minute, literally on the driveway as you're coming in and out of the mall <laughs> on that driveway. And so, you know, and it just automatically out of my mind, what came out was like, Hey, I'm good. This is not my first fall. <laughs> and, and so that kind of like really ties into, you know, where I'm at right now. You know, I have fallen a lot. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> and what I realized about myself is that I'm not afraid to fall. I'm not afraid to risk it. I'm not afraid to go for it. I don't wait for, you know, I don't wait for people, you know, cause a lot of times I'm trying things that, people either in my situation aren't doing, or I'm just not going to wait kind of like for that. You know, I'm just not going to wait. I'm just going to like, I'm not going to wait for somebody to like coach me on how to ride a bike, you know, road biking and all that. I'm going to eventually, you know, but initially when I'm starting, like whatever I got to do to get on the road and to let out all this, like all this energy that I have inside, I'm going to do it. And if I got to, you know, if I'm, so I'm learning all these things, right? I was like on a 23 
23cm like tire. I had gotten like a 97 road bike, really, really thin. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're an experienced road rider that from the 80, you know, 90s, you know, like that's what you got. But, you know, it's it's very dangerous if you're not really skilled yet, you know, on, on the bike. And so I ended up falling in that same exact spot the next day. <laughs> the next day I ended up falling in the same spot. And so like I had to go home and figure out like, why did you fall in the same spot? Knowing that you fell there yesterday, yeah. you still went for it in the same way that you went yesterday. You didn't take it easy. And so like, you know, now I go a lot slower around that part and I figured out what happened. Right. And so, you know, that's really, you know, pretty much like how my life has always been, you know, whatever I do, uh, I tend to jump in. You know what I mean? I know that I may make a fool of myself. I know that I may get people that, you know, in, in any, anything that you do, people that are already more proficient, you're going to like find your snobs, you know, and sometimes we are, sometimes I am, you know what I mean? I can be a snob when it comes to music, you know what I mean? And so I've had to learn from my own experiences that, hey, you know, some people are just like learning, you know what I mean? And, uh, you, you know, they may not be where they're going to be, but they're trying. And so uh, I, I continue to just be a lifelong learner. I continue to like always try to learn a new thing and not afraid to like take the falls because I know that I'm, I'm pretty good at falling, you know what I mean? And one of the guys in the restaurant that watched me even, that's the other funny thing that, and he's like, after the guy like left, right? The guy tried to help me out. This other guy comes out, right? This, this busboy at a restaurant. He's like, he talks to me in Spanish, right? He's like, hey, that was pretty good, man. He's like, it looks like you know how to fall. <laughs> I was like, so yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had some practices at falling, both literally and metaphorically, you know, like, and, uh, you know, and so from all that, you end up learning a lot and uh, you do things differently and you get better at it, mm. you know. So where I'm at right now in the music business is like, I'm very clear on who I want to work with, you know. Um, I like substance in music. I like surrounding myself with artists that have like, that aren't, that I don't have to like try to develop, you know what I mean? But that are already developed, you know, they're already committed. They're already like trying to master their craft, you know? And so like, then we have like conversations that I want to have and they're about the music, right? And as long as I've been around music, like I can tell right away when an artist is like out for the fame or out because like they're passionate about their music. They're passionate about either lyric writing, songwriting, you know what I mean? They're telling stories like, Daniel, I just checked out your little video uh, on Instagram, that little song that you were jamming to, was that him playing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. That's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of music and, and stuff that I like, like you're telling me something, you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm, I'm like following your story and it's like, and it was just like, it was a cool thing. When I think can make that kind of connection with artists and that's usually found in the independent artist realm. Mm -hmm. So I've always been attracted to independent artists. Yeah. You know, I always like that kind of like what you're talking about with this podcast, right? Like trying to find, trying to find that something, you know what I mean? That leads you to something, you know? And, and you find that a lot in independent artists, you find a lot of signs, you know, you find a lot of, a lot of indicators, you know? That's and, uh, indicator. you know, uh, what's that? I, that's a great word for it. The indicators, like the yes. signals. Yeah. That's so good. It's a great word to describe it. Because the entertainment industry is, 
it is what it is, you know, and just like everything else in life is like, you can't, you, you, you got to understand what you're getting into, you know what I mean? And yeah. the entertainment industry, you can't pick and choose. Um, you can pick and choose how you're going to participate, but you can't pick and choose um, what the industry is. The industry is what it is and it has a little bit of everything. Mm. You know what I mean? And so uh, when you're in the apprentice stage of, you know, which is like the first stage of everything that you try to learn, you know, the first stage is apprenticeship. Um, you don't know how to distinguish a lot of things. You don't know how to like, you know, spot the indicators. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because there's all these other things distracting you. Yeah. Right. When I was early in the music industry, I got caught up in, in, I started, I've always had a love for the music, but I got caught up in like, you know, the, the perks that come with the music and working out of Columbia records, you know, mm -hmm. I was there at the highlight, I think of the music industry, you know, um, before Napster and when the music industry was very robust and there was like huge budgets, you know, promo guys like myself would just get like a company credit card and, and our, our job was to take that credit card and spend it entertaining artists and like, you know, fans and whoever, you know, if we went to a club, if I went to a club with like, you know, Cypress Hill, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, okay, put down a card, you know, open tab and like entertain radio programmers, DJs, college, you know, DJs, underground DJs, newspaper writers, that would be the equivalent of day of today of like, you know, influencers, you know, bloggers, podcasters, you know, YouTubers. It's basically anybody that can help get the word out about this artist. You can entertain them, buy them a drink. And so, you know, that was my job, you know, is, is, is to do that. And so within that, you know, there's a lot of uh, alcohol. There's a lot of drugs. There's, you know, a lot of things. And uh, that starts becoming, you know, I was working at Columbia when I was 25 and I had two kids, you know, I had a, had like a two year old and like a one year old when I was a promotions guy. So, and I had my own, I, I was also a mix show DJ on a radio station in San Diego. And so, and then I moved up to LA and, and, and ended up doing the same thing. Um, but I, yeah, I lived life really fast at a young age, you know, and I tried to balance learning how to, be a dad and be a promotions guy for one of the biggest record companies in the world, you know, and, you know, working with big artists and, and, uh, you know, just all those, uh, opportunities that become available to you, you know, when you're not a man yet, you know what I mean? You're, you think you're a man, <laughs> you think you're the man, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm the man. I work for Columbia. I'm out with artists. I have a credit card. I have a company card. I can go anywhere in the country I want. I'm the man. And you're not even a man yet. You know what I mean? You're, you're a boy thinking you're a man. And so that was me. And uh, so it's taken me a long time to grow up, you know, and to understand the difference, you know, and to learn from my mistakes. And, but I've never been, you know, afraid to take another fall, you know, and, and to learn another lesson. And uh, I'm glad I did because I feel like I've lived, you know, several lifetimes in one, you know, so I feel like my life is full. And, um, you know, just, just this year, you know, just in the last 
five years, I've had several near death experiences, <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, and it's like, uh, I've had that thought of like, you know, if I go this year, I'm good. Like I've already lived like three or four lifetimes, you know, like I've had that thought and it hasn't been like a depressive thought. No, I know what you mean. I've, I've had the depressive thought of like, I don't want to, you know, like this shit is like too much for me, you know? Um, but even in like my good state, I'm like, you know, if I've, you know, if, if something were to happen to me, like, how would I feel? And I would feel like, you know, yeah, you know, now as of today, like I definitely am that in that, you know, thinking like that, I definitely want to live as long as I can and do my part to be here for the people that need me. You know what I mean? It's, it's not just about me living, you know, so I can go to Europe or whatever. It's like, people need me. You know what I mean? There's people that could use me. You know what I mean? My kids need me. Um, people that I care about need me. And so, you know, I, I can only be there for them as much as, as, as healthy as I can be, you know, if I'm not healthy. And you mentioned like being the man, but not being a man. Like that's, you know, 98% of dudes walking around in America. Yeah. <laughs> at a certain point in their life, at a certain point, I think every guy's there at that place, like, you know, so like for me and my story, like I had a series, like my dad was not around, like that's not a com that's a common story. And, and like, but it's real though. It's for real. It's for real. And it seemed like when I really needed it, like, s like somebody would show up in my life that would teach me a lesson. Like that would like good or bad, you know, like that, like that started to initiate me. And, and obviously we don't have initiations. Like we, like, you know, the ancient world does where like you go through the darkness, you go through the pain, you go through the separation from mom and the village and like, boom, like you've now been bestowed as a man. Once you've like walked on fire or been cut or whatever it is. And our initiation rights of initiation is like, we got to find it on our own somehow. But I think it really like it, like a real one requires a lot of suffering and and pain and we are the we are the deciders on like how long are we going to let the suffering go on right or we decide like i've learned my lesson so right. tell me a little bit about like you like did you have a guide were there like a series of guides like and how bad did the pain get <laughs> as you were like leaving capital or, or wherever it was um i mean the pain has been pretty bad several times, you know, and it's always been, in my opinion, where I'm at now in my life, I understand now that, you know, a lot of it was my own doing, you know, it came from my own choices. Uh, it came from giving myself permission to do a lot of things um, that, that, that nobody, you know, put a gun to my head and said, you're going to need to do this. What do you now, mean by that? Like, give, like, give me an example of giving yourself permission for something. Um, for example, you know, the, the best word I can say, you know, the debauchery with, you know, alcohol, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, nobody ever put a gun to my head, you know, and that led, you know, that led to a lot of issues, you know, it led to addiction, alcohol addiction, you know what I mean? And, uh, and that, uh, is, you know, that's a road that I wouldn't wish upon anybody, you know? Some people don't make it out and, you know, I almost didn't make it out and I'm, I've learned that I'm not ever going to be completely 
out. Because <laughs> every day that I'm alive is another day that I have a choice to chase that, you know, chase that dragon again, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or not. And, and for me, that's what it is. And obviously for some people it's not, but for me it is. And so like, for me, it's coming to that realization of like, okay. Um, one of the things that you learn in dealing with addiction is uh, a lot of things that you can relate to life. <laughs> you know, you, you learn so much and uh, is sobriety part of your life right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming up on six months. Wow. I'm coming up on six months. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's uh, been, it's been, um, man, it's been rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, yeah. rough. been rough. And, uh, you know, I almost felt like giving up, you know, just because as much as I could do everything else that I set my mind to, that became a trap for me. Mm -hmm. Because when you have so much confidence in your ability to focus in on a goal and achieve it, you know, when you run across something like addiction, you think I can beat it. Yeah. Right. And I've always been, I grew up an only child and I'm always, because I am that kind of person that I'm, I don't wait for things, you know, I'm like the first one in kind of dude, you know, like I don't really, I've always just, and I'm in, I'm also an army brat and a latch kid. So my whole life has always been like, I got to just figure shit out on my own, you know? Yeah. And so I have a hard time like reaching out and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just even asking for any kind of help, you know what I mean? I'm usually the one that's like, how can I help you? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that, that becomes, that becomes a big weakness because it's in, in, in addiction, isolation is like, isolation is like a, is a deadly thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, but when you're, when you're, when you're in it and you're not, you're not well, you know, you, you don't have the clarity that you have when you're sober, you know, you don't have the clarity that you have when you put in the work, you know, like I'm putting in now. And so, you know, like I've learned so much. Um, I think the biggest things that I've learned have been in this class called relapse prevention. Hmm. Right. And so in relapse prevention, they tell you how the relapse process happens. Hmm. You learn like, like, this is why you relapse. And I was like, oh, shit, like, that's true. <laughs> it starts off with, like, romanticizing something, right? Like, you know you shouldn't be doing this, but, like, all of a sudden you start romanticizing it. And so all of a sudden you turn into, like, a screenwriter, and then you become the actor. You read it, and you're like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I'm going to play this out. And then you become the director and the producer and the executive producer. You fund a project, you know, you direct it, and you go, you know, you start the scene and then you play it. You first, you write it in your head and then you go out and you act it out and then you play it out, you know? And then no matter how many times you play that role and you know how that's going to end, you still think you can write a different ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though like 50 times you keep on every time you go down that road, it's the same ending. So that's when, you know, like, okay, maybe you should try something else. And so, um, and so, yeah, so like now I've learned and that's the process I wanted to get to, but I would have never learned that if I hadn't gone through that suffering, you know, if I hadn't been broken so much that I'm like, okay, all right. You know, like, 
all right, you tell me like, why does this keep happening? And then it's like, okay, well, now that you're open to learning, you know, how you can be in a different place, these are the things you need to look out for. These are the things that can, you know, um, help you be in the right place. And so for me, you know, sobriety is part of my journey. And the reason I say that is because I'm not just trying to like be sober and, yeah. you know, just like, not, um, for me, it's more like, I mean, like I, I, I know a lot of, I've seen a lot of people, you know, for example, in programs that end up, you know, they, they save themselves from alcohol, but end up dying from cancer, from smoking. <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to just be healthy. You know, like I'm trying to learn how to like, not just not drink, but just like, you know, how's my BMI index, you know, how's this and how's that. And so like, I'm starting to get really granular about things and uh, it's leading me down some really good places. Um, time that you've um, been sober for a, that length of time. What's that? Is it the first time you've been sober? For no. That? Yeah. no, no, my first, my, my first time was, uh, uh, seven years. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Seven years. And I didn't go to any programs. I was just like, I was in church, you know, and I was all about it. You know what I mean? I was like, I was all about it. I mean, I was made Bible talk leader and then I was made marriage counseling leader. And I was like, you know how it goes with me, yeah. wrong, you know? So oh, I, was okay. like, <laughs> I was like trying to save as many people as possible, like trying to counsel as many marriages to stay together, trying to like help as many dudes to like stop that macho shit, you know, and be, and serve your wife, serve. Like I was all about it. Right. So I didn't have time to think about anybody else. Yeah. You know, I was trying to like help so many people. And I was like, that didn't even cross my mind, you know? Yeah. And so, and so how this relapse road started for me was 15 years ago. I had seven years of sobriety. Right. And I'm like, I haven't gone to like any programs. I'm like, I don't have a problem. Like I'm good. Like I've just done it on my own. You know, I'm, I'm the man I could do this. <laughs> you know? So Here's how the romanticizing started. So when they told me that 15 years later, I'm like, that's exactly how it happened, right? So I'm working and on my, I was like assigned hospitality. I was, before I became a branch manager, I was a sales rep and then a sales manager. And so I was like pulling up, um, you know, the things that I wanted to go after and, and the things that brought in big dollars were like, you know, high-end resorts, right? To provide them service. And so- yeah. So like the montage came up in Orange County and then Ritz Carlton and Laguna. And so I'm like, I'm going to go check those places. I'll give them my card. I want, I want these, I want these on my portfolio, like that. I got these two places. Right. So I'm heading down PCH, which is why now driving down PCH for me, riding on PCH is such a healing process because mm -hmm. I'm going to get to that Ritz Carlton again on bike. And I'm going to change what happened the last time I was there. Yes. So that day I was like, and I'm like seven years. I'm like, man, you did good, Oscar. You know, like let's. I'm gonna celebrate when I get to the Ritz Carlton. I'm gonna go to the lobby bar. I'm gonna order myself a Heineken. I'm gonna see see what I'm saying. Like I started playing out. I started writing out the script. Yeah, yeah. Writing out the script before I even got there. And so I get there and I played it out. I went to the lobby bar. I got the Heineken. Just like the commercials, you know, the glass was like all frosty. I went out into the, you know, Ritz Carlton balcony overlooking the Pacific, you know, and I had myself my Heineken after seven years. And I was like, that was cool. And that was it. And that was that. I went home. Everything was good, you know. The 
next time I wanted to have a beer, I was like, yeah, I'm good. And so that was 15 years ago. And, and that led to like, you know, all kinds of stuff that, you know, you know, I was able to, I've been able to like do the things that I wanted to do. I mean, you know, but I could have, you know, it's like the one thing that people don't know is like a lot of times I, I, the last 15 years, I did a lot of things like at a 50% capacity of, of my ability. I had somebody, um, so, so February 20, February 15th will be seven years of no alcohol for me. Nice. Congrats, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, what do you, yeah. why do you say like that? You're like, well, I mean, mm, thanks, I, right? <laughs> I had like kind of the, that moment you were describing, but with weed, like three or four years into not drinking where I was like, I was teetotaled, you know, like I was out, I had done like all the, um, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. I was going to meetings every week. I was like, I was in it. I was being sponsored. I was sponsoring. I was leading church groups. I was leading sobriety church groups. You know, and, and one day my wife's like complaining about, um, something in her life where somewhere in there, I heard that, Oh, weed's good for that. And like, it had just <laughs> become legal in Portland. Yeah, yeah. And my, my brain is like, you know, Oh honey, that's good for you. And like in the background, I'm like, and it's good for me. <laughs> you know? And, and like, you know, and I had this like just on again, off again relationship with weed that I, I didn't know it could have such a hook in me. And, mm-hmm. And it, and it like got, it got to the point where I'm like hiding, I was hiding it from my family and, and my, and I got caught by my eight year old daughter, like three months ago, like I'm on a walk and I come back in in the middle of the day, you know, I'm homeschooling her cause it's the COVID and she like, she's like, dad, you smell like weed, you know? And it's like <laughs> 11 in the morning and, and my Funky wife, stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and like my wife is like, what the fuck, man? Like you're, you're supposed to be the teacher, dude. Like, like get your shit together. And, and she didn't say it like that, but I could just, she was saying it with her face, you know, like it was all being said by her face. And I was like, like, damn, I'm like, I'm not, it's like, it's like a level of honesty that I wasn't living at that I knew I should live at. And so while I haven't had alcohol in seven years, like, you know, there was that and and the, the weed in there. And so like, I, like, you know, I've got two or three months with that. Right. And sometime in, I think it was August or something. And, and, you know, and so as you're talking about this, I'm like, I'm like catching myself thinking about those movies and, and the romanticizing part. Dude. Yeah, man. And, and, and I think it, I don't know if it was like a podcast or just talking to you the other day. I mean, just so you know, like this guy was the first normie that I like approached and was like, Hey dude, I have this thing, I think it's called a drinking problem. <laughs> and, and, and he was there, man. I'm like in his office, like crying, like don't know what's wrong with me and, and, and all that stuff. And he's seen me through it all. He's like heard all of this stuff from me, but like I, every once in a while, I like I'll see some alcohol somewhere. Something will come up for me. And it's right now. I don't have like the fantasy of like, I drink, I have a fantasy of like, man, I'd love to go on a bender. Like, that's like, right. That's what I'd like. I'd like to like finish it all off. Like, just make sure like the whole bottle's gone. And, you know, after, 
after I first met you, I ended up moving. I think a couple of years later, I ended up moving to England. And as a person who loves alcohol does, like I found myself in a culture of heavy, heavy drinkers, like people that like, I was blacking out at least twice a week and was still the guy that was like, not keeping up with the other guys, you know, you know, those guys are like, man, you're like lightweight. And they were giving me a hard time and all that bullshit. And so I don't even know what my point of that story is, but like, (laughs) you know, I, I didn't have enough pain back then. And, and finally I did. And I'm, you know, and so as you're just talking, I'm just like, man, it's still not like, I'm glad I have seven years of not drinking, but I also know that like left to my own devices, like I want to make bad decisions. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's, that's part of the growing part, you know? Um, And I think it's a, it's a good place to be when you really start understanding yourself, you know, and uh, when you can be a, a friend to yourself the way that you are to other people. Yeah. Yeah. When you get to that point, stop right there. Talk about that because that was a, like a, a, an absolute game changer in my life when I had been hearing my whole life that kindness to yourself, loving yourself, being a friend to yourself is like paramount. And like, I had this, this like voice in my head most of my life telling me what a piece of shit I was, how, how guilty I felt all the time, all this stuff. So you tell me like how that friendship started and began to like unfold in your life for yourself. Uh, it's, it just started this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it just started this year and, you know, like both of us, you know, are, I think we understand concepts, you know, and, and we like, you know, what's below the surface, you know, and we understand, I don't know, like we like to, I think operate, on a certain intellectual level, you know? Um, and so we, we can understand things, but to be able to really practice something, you really have to work through whatever things are blocking you from doing what you already know you should do. And so for me, like I've always known, you know, I've always been, I've always wanted to help other people, but I never really knew like why I could help myself. And like, Mm. like, uh, you know, like self-love has always been like, a, you know, a, a big challenge for me. Like, you know, like it's not even, it wasn't even attractive for me, you know, like it was hard for me to relate to people. Like they had no problem loving themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah <laughs> to, I know you mean. Some people take it to like the other, cause there's two extremes, you know, there's yeah. also the other extreme. Um, and I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> there's people like, fuck everybody else. It's all about me. You know, like that kind of thing. And, and, uh, but I was the opposite. I was like, you know, let me think about everybody else. I'm like, you know, fuck me. You know, like I'll, I'll like, I don't, I don't have anything left, but that's okay. You know what I mean? I'm alive. I'm good. You know? And, um, and, and so, you know, that's basically rooted in my upbringing as a kid. And so that's why for me, I think one of the things that I've, you know, one of the things that I, um, I hope to be able to help, you know, is, is people just, I want to just help people like heal from the things that are like blocking them, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's all it is. It's, it's like, it's just a roadblock. It's just like a, 
you know, like in cycling, I run across that every day, you know what I mean? Like I ride like 60 miles, you know, and, and like along the way, I'm just going to be like some kind of like detour, road work, this and that, you can't go this way. I'll go into the wrong sidewalk that has no way to get off. So I'm, I'm going to have to pick up my bike and either do that, you know? So it's like, you know, you have to adjust, you know, and, but there's always, and in life, that's what I find everybody runs into. I haven't met one human being that doesn't run into that, you know? And so, um, you know, there's so many different reasons, you know, for me, you know, I was brought up by, you know, um, well, my mom, who I love dearly now, <laughs> um, you know, just was now um i know i know <laughs> everything i need to know my yeah. sentence i have no follow-up i have questions. i have the same sense i could say the same thing i love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know that took a lot lot to get there you know but when i was a kid you know it was like it was always about like and i want to preface this by saying you know like she never went past third grade you know and we're from el salvador and and you know she just came from very humble beginnings you know so like it's a generational thing, how she was brought up, you know, and she didn't know any better, but she was brought up by abuse, emotional abuse and physical abuse and mental abuse. Yeah. And so that's the only way that she knew how to parent, you know, and me being the guy that I am, I'm just a very rebellious, like I'm going to do whatever I want kind of dude since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. like, I was like that. I was like born like that. Okay. And so she always tried to like uh, control me by, using language to belittle me and to like, like to basically break me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to say some shit to you so that you will finally like just give in and like do what I'm trying to tell you to do, you know, or I'm going to, you know, punish you. And, you know, and the most, uh, I think the hardest thing for me was like, she used to have a thing about like slapping me in the face. Okay. And that for me was like, dude, like, I mean, I remember like being eight years old, I thinking like that, like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, you just slapped me in the face, you know, for putting my hands in my pocket. Cause she didn't like me putting my hands in my pocket. Right. And so we would go to church. All the elders would be suited up. Guess where their hands were. Mm. Right. So you're taking me to church. And the guys that are the elders in the church have their hands in their pocket. And you're like, you know, this is the example. But when I put my hands in my pocket, it's like, oh, only the gangbangers do that. Only, the, you know. And so it was all of these things that she just had very limited way of viewing life and understanding me that she, to this day, she still doesn't understand me. I've done so many things my mom has no idea about. Like, like to this day, she has like no idea what like working at Columbia Records means. Like I was probably the first Salvadoran to do a lot of shit in this country. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I'm from El Salvador. There's less people. There's more people in LA, the city of LA, than there is in the whole country I come from. Okay. And the things that I've done, you know, like I've broken a lot of like barriers, you know, and it's nothing that I ever talk about really. Like this is the first time that I've, but like, try to find another Salvadoran that promoted a Columbia records when I did, you know, another Salvadoran, there's a lot, then, you know, my mom has no clue about that. You know, like I just, in 2020, I was awarded a grant by the LA County, LA, the LA County arts and culture department for LA County, for like the, some of the work that I've done 
and producing events that like are multicultural, bring the city together, you know, that kind of thing, you know, like what you would want anybody creating events and cultural things in the city to do, you know, not to divide or like do all this stuff, but to bring people together through music, you know, and celebrate our cultures and be inclusive. That's been like my mission since I got back into the music industry. Mm. So when you say like what, that's been my mission, you know, for 52 Bland, I mean, you can, you know, you can, you can look at all the things that I've done, the artists that I work with, a lot of independent artists supporting, supporting independent artists, supporting good music. That's like going to bring something to the community and to the culture, cultures, and then introducing cultures to each other. Like, Hey, have you ever heard some cumbia? <laughs> have you heard of some house music? Have you ever heard this? You know? That's why we connected on KCRW, and that's why I like KCRW when you and I, because KCRW was always has always been like a, a radio station to offer people what the commercial stations weren't offering. Yeah, yeah. Right. The commercial stations, like you would swear, like the only artists are like these ten artists that they're playing, and then like you know you listen to like either college station, you know, you listen to college stations and like all these DJs that bring their taste to it. Like, man, they expose you to like things from all over the world, you know? And so that's basically my mission now, you know, it's like, you know, uh, an artist that I'm working with now, I really narrowed down like who I want to work with, what, what, and one of the artists that I have the privilege to work with and honor work with is this artist named QVLN and, uh, the most talented artist I've ever met and worked with. Um, and he's just like represents everything that that I want to stand for, you know, in terms of like, he does all these different genres. He's very, you know, whenever people call on him to like, right now he's, they just call on him to like, you know, he just, he, he's, he just, he's just a dope dude. You know what I mean? So he's both a dope artist and a dope dude. You know what I mean? He's a great leader. He's just like, you know, like just, he tries to master his craft. You know what I mean? Like I'm right now I'm, I'm, uh, I got audibles for my rides and um, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> that's my street. Um, there's this book that I'm going through right now called Mastery, you know, and it talks about that, you know, like what the process of mastery is. And, you know, that's reminds me of, of this artist, you know, because he's like just always never, you know, he's always trying to learn something. He's a student of music, you know, and so he's always trying to learn something. And so, you know, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm uh, trying to um, complete the puzzle. Mm. A quick question, Oscar. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned mental uh, illness. Yeah. Um, he mentioned it, and you said, yes, all of the above. Um, uh, sounds like you'd be comfortable talking about that. We had a, a guest on the podcast yesterday who um, – was talking about that at length and we got to kind of go into it. And I think I know that Ronald believes this. I believe that, that normalizing uh, and bringing conversation awareness, especially in men around uh, uh, mental illness and their own experience with that. It's a pretty big value of mine. If you'd be mm -hmm. open ex expressing some of your experience there and how you got through it, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm still learning what that, um, I guess what that means, but from what I've been able to gather, you know, and what I've been able to kind of like put together in myself, it's just, you know, um, 
Yeah, I'm still learning about it. I guess what's, can you repeat your question? Well, okay, maybe what would help actually is that term mental illness is such a vague yeah. term, right? right. Uh, but I, I experienced out of nowhere in my early 30s, like you'd live three decades pretty solid um, emotionally, I, I had. And then out of nowhere, something triggered anxiety. And it was not just anxiety, but it was severe to extreme. Like that's how it was classified. And okay. it laid me out. So I would put anxiety, depression, and then all the like clinical ones. But he, it was just the only reason I asked is because you were like, yep, yeah, all the above. And yeah, I mean, I, I just started learning about that you know, later in my life, you know, and, and now I've been able to kind of like through the other work that I've been doing, you know, um, is it getting dark in here? Should I turn on the light? Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. If you want to, fine. Yeah. If that's too bright, let me know. Yeah, you're good. Thank you. for Okay. Let, um, let, me, let me add something to that to help you out a little bit. Like, you know, when I was in my twenties, or no, before that, I was like driving from my hometown or where my, my, where my parents lived to where I went to college and I'm driving down the road and, and like college was hard as hell for me. Like it was really, really, really hard. Like I was not a good student. I was just barely getting through. It was a private school. Like, you know, I was collecting crazy amounts of debt trying to do it. And one night I'm driving down the road and I hear someone on like AM radio or something talking about ADHD. And like, all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, what's that? And, and it just began to describe all of the things that I had a lot of trouble dealing with. And I called my mom up and she's like, yeah, I think you probably have that. And that was unfortunately <laughs> like the end of the conversation. Like there wasn't like, oh, and now we're going to go to the doctor. Or we're going to like talk to somebody and fast forward to like, you know, my um, like 30, when I was like 37, I'm like, I'm going to deal with this. Like I've had a, some success in life. And like, there's still this like block I've got. And, and it generally is, is like the voice telling me in my head that I'm, I'll never be successful. I'll never amount to anything. Just always kind of like shaming me. One of that always kind of wrestling with like attention and always kind of wrestling with the darkness that wants to like, like make itself at home in me, unless I'm doing something really, really, really exciting. So I, I go and I go to a doctor and I'm like, Hey, here it is. She goes, okay, let's, you know, let's test you for ADHD. And she, and I went through three days of it, like three days of, or three different, um, you know, uh, meetings with her. So it's like three hours, I guess. And she's like, congrats, man, you're off the charts, ADHD. <laughs> and, and, uh, and part of me was like, well, okay, let's like get these drugs rattling out here. And, and, and she's a smart lady and she's like, okay, before we try any medicines, like, let's deal with your food. Let's deal with you, like how you eat. Mm -hmm. Let's deal with like the kinds of people you're around. Let's like, you know, she gave me like a very holistic, very, very holistic, uh, prescription, but, I, but she's like, man, your, your anxiety and depression, like that's, those are actually just symptoms of ADHD. Mm -hmm. And, and when you deal with like, all the, the primary stuff, like that stuff begins to kind of melt away. And that's thankfully been my experience when I've, when I address my food, when I address exercise, when I address like being kind to myself, loving myself, pursuing things I want to pursue, pursuing good relationships, like all of that stuff, like the voice has gone away, or mm -hmm. I should say it's not as loud as it used to be. It's mm -hmm. way less frequent than it used to be. By the way, uh, as just being your friend and yeah. spending quite a bit of time around you, 
I've heard a lot of people say that they've improved in some way like that, you know, but it feels, it's like, you really have, I can see it. I, it tends, it, it like grounded you mm. in this way and you seem calmer, you know, and more collected and you're already pretty, you know, you know, you're a confident guy, but man, I, it's almost like you pushed stop on a tape recorder that is not there anymore. That was for real, man. So that, I guess like, you know, if there's anything like that in there for you where that resonates with you, like, yeah, what? I mean, I, I think it's, it's uh, several things actually. You know what I mean? Like for sure anxiety, for sure depression the last five years. Um, uh, anxiety, depression, ADHD, I believe everything that I've read, I, I'm, I definitely consider myself, even though I haven't been, you know, but all the research that I've done, like, yeah, it's pretty much my, my a lot of my personality do you know what i mean um and uh the other thing is just like um just having and being able to go from like zero to a thousand yeah in in my you know in my moods you know if something triggers me i can get really heated you know what i mean and and uh and so now like all the (laughs) what I said, I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, I've always kind of known that about myself. That's why I haven't engaged in certain activities. Yeah. You know, like I never really engaged in like my outlet was always sports, you know what I mean? Because I had a lot of aggression and I knew that because I knew the way that I was like, I could get into sports and like go all out, you know, in football. And even though I was a smaller guy, like, you know, I played a Long Beach Jordan and <laughs> we were like a four, eight in the 40 division, which around here is like, that's like a high division, you know? And, and like, I, I'm down the street still from the high school I went to. And, mm-hmm. you know, like in my, on my team, I had like Crips, I had Bloods, I had Insanes, I had Sons of Samoa, you know, pretty much like all the gangs of Long Beach, you know, were, were on my team, you know? And, uh, but that was still an outlet for me where I could let out that aggression the reason I bring that up is because I purposely never joined gangs because I just know myself. <laughs> I'm like, if you apply the way that you apply to everything else, if if you like that kind of person goes into a gang, you're going to want to be like, you're just going to naturally, you know, yeah. you're not going to be just okay with just being a soldier, you know? And so there's a certain things that I've always protected myself from knowing my personality. So and then, and then another time I remember that I was having a conversation with my son and I just turned to him and I said, Hey, listen, I'm not well, you know, and I hadn't gone to a lot of treatment or talked to anybody, but just inside I knew like I wasn't well, yeah. I just knew that I wasn't well. And so for me, I think, you know, depression, anxiety, and, uh, you know, ADHD and, and just, uh, yeah, like your moods and everything. And so that, that's why. You know, that's why now, um, you know, exercise and nutrition are completely changing my life. Meditation, you know, is changing my life. And, uh, you know, that's why I, you know, I'm still such a believer. So many things I learned in scripture, because the reason that I was attracted to scripture was not from the religious aspect. For me, I was always like trying to peep game from like the wisdom that the scriptures gave practical, you know, practical stuff like you know, and so, you know, like you can read a scripture that says, you know, do not be harsh to your kids or you will embitter them. Mm-hmm. 
shit, that's what happened with, you know, me. I became very bitter. Yeah. You know, and it caused a lot of anger in me and led to a bunch of other things because they, you know, because of the harsh upbringing. You know what I mean? I've caused some damage to, you know, one of my sons, you know, through that, you know, when I, when I've been harsh, you know, and caused some resentment, you know, and, and so, I mean, you know, we could just, you know, go on, you know, about that, but there's a lot of things, you know, um, you know, that I've learned and now I'm just trying to like put it all together. You know, I'm yeah. trying to use one of my strengths is like, I'm always being, I'm always able to, first of all, I'm interested in like, I'm a multidisciplinary kind of guy, right? Like I like to know about spirituality and biology and science and philosophy. And like, because of that interest, I start, you know, even like religious scriptures, you know? And so it's like, I start like seeing certain similarities between different disciplines. And then I start tying it all in and seeing how like everything is connected, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, now I'm trying to like, yeah, I'm start the puzzle now for me is like, for me, that that's what it is. You know, it's like, okay, like this piece, this is the piece that was missing for this part of my life, you know, like exercise. Oh shit. Like now I'm starting to see clearer now. Like this would be missing this whole time, you know, like exercise, you know, like an outlet, like meditation, like this. And so I'm finding all these things that like now I'm almost done completing the puzzle. Yeah. You know, like it's like 90, 90, 95%. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the scripture thing because I think if you grow up in that culture and you, and something happens to you, even associated, like your mom slapping you, even though you see like for the reason you, 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 because you had your hands in your pockets and yet you see like the deacons of the church, like that'd be so easy for anybody to be like, well, fuck church. I'm out of here. Like, like it's all bad. Yeah. And to come back around and say, like, actually, I'm still a student of the scripture because of the wisdom that I have found in there. <laughs> and what and, you know, I actually have a degree in New Testament literature. I, like nice. my brain, just it just defaults to Bible because that's what I know. And and what I one of the things that's coming up as you're talking for me is is um, a phrase out of the book of James that says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. And I, and I used to think that like, (laughs) it was like airing your dirty laundry, but what I've really like come to learn is that actually means living honestly and living vulnerably. And, and Mm. what we're talking about right now is we're doing, it's happening. Right. Like the healing is happening right now, right now, the exact moment. So that that's cool, man. And I also, I'm sure you've read. Have you read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle? Uh, I'm about to pick it up because I saw somebody suggesting it yesterday. The book's a game. Uh, the, my dad, my dad, you know, put me onto this guy. He's a yeah. freaking like Yoda, um, and just like his whole his whole energy, you know, is like yeah, just like you know, he's definitely in a different level. So I'm um, going to send you a couple of links after this. Um, like get it on tape. And then there's like a companion study guide to it on tape. I'm going to send you to okay. uh, like it, like it connects a lot of these dots, like from different faiths and different in meditation. And it like, it was a game changer for me. It was, it was actually a game changer understanding how part of me wanted to play the movie, like, like 
step into my own space. Like I wanted to be the movie star and, and he really is very good at describing what he calls ego. And, and it's not exactly the same as what we would consider like egotistical, but it's still the part of us that like wants to steer the ship. And a lot of times that's not the direction we should be going. Which is, you know, which is a lot of problem, you know, in society, particularly around, you know, men, you know, and, and so that's why I've always kind of like, that's why you've always been on my radar, you know, because there's not a lot of like guys that like stop to like challenge that or look at that or study that and like talk about those things. And so a lot of things that I shared with you today, like people that know me really well, like I've never talked to about because, you know, don't throw your pearls to the pigs. And yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's not to be disrespectful. That's not disrespectful. It's just like, don't, don't like share things with people that aren't, aren't really interested. <laughs> Number yeah. one. And I know that you're interested in finding out things about like what, you know, what, what are the downfalls to, to masculinity? You know, like what are the things that we've been programmed to believe I'm on that same vibe? You know, that's why there's very few, I, you know, guys that I really click with, you know, most of the people that I click with are females. And because I've always had a, an admiration for, uh, and I was actually having a conversation with my son recently uh, because we've started to like rebuild our relationship and, and he's a very high level thinker, you know, and he's, he always tells me things that are like, so on the money, you know? And he says, you know, like some of a, a lot, like some of his favorite uh, qualities and character qualities are feminine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, like women better than, you know, it's like women to me just like display a lot of the things that men lack. Yeah. You know, Empathy, listening, <laughs> kindness. Yeah, kindness, you know, it's just like, yeah. you know, and so I try to, I've always tried to, I've always been attracted to that. You know yeah. what I mean? And so like when I'm around, you know, toxic male masculinity type since I was a kid, like even before I even knew that word even existed 40 years later, like as a kid instinctively, like I already knew, like I didn't want, I wasn't down with that. Same. I was like, exactly the whole, the like same way. Yeah. you know, yeah. pound my chest type of thing, the whole alpha male thing. I was like, yeah. so the way I always dealt with that was in sports, you know, it's like, you know, this is, you got something to say, like, let's just get on the field and let's just do it, man. You know, let's just stop talking about it and do it, you know? And so, um, I've always like not been in, yeah, I've just, I've never really, you know, a lot of guys tend to rub me the wrong way when they come, they, they come with that superficial, you know, macho thing, you know? And so, um, you know, I, you know, I, I just, I've gotten to the point where like, I'm aware of that and, uh, you know, I appreciate those things. I try to learn from those things, you know, and uh, try to really uh, understand the man that I'm becoming, you know, and and really the man that I'm becoming is like who I wanted to be since I was a kid. Damn, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like, badass. Like, <laughs> I remember being a kid and the people that, I remember you looking at guys, right? Because I have, I, you know, I remember looking at like, dudes right like guys right and just being like damn you know like something about this guy like i want to be like him when i'm that age you know what i mean and uh and i think what i always admired and the guy the kind of guy that i wanted to be is just somebody that's learned all the things that i've learned 
and and is in the is in the place where isn't they don't feel the need to try to like play any role but their own role you know and um and so for me that's really who i try to you know uh be around and and the whole thing about not throwing your pearls to the pigs it's like now i get that <laughs> now i get that you know like gary Vee's always talking about like nobody gives a shit you know like you know gary Vee, right yeah so i'm like well that's not completely true dude. like there's people in my life that do care about me you know what i mean but i get what he's saying it's like it's true like we live in a society that most people are going to be like oh so and so died scroll oh wow you know it's like you know so it's like why are you going to pour out your heart you know when when if people ask you, right, like right now, then, you know, and if you're in a safe space, right, to share these things, then, you know, then that's the appropriate time to share them, you know, otherwise it's like, gosh, you know? you're, thank, man, I didn't know that this conversation was going to go this way. And, and I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's an accident that, that this came up, this part of your story came up. And, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that, that this is how it's for telling us your story and especially sharing a big part of your life that you don't with others. And the kind of the last thing I want to end on for you is, you know, it, you're, you're not the first guy on here to talk about your sobriety, but that's not why I brought you on. I, that was not on my radar. I know. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. surprise, we were like, my fault, sorry, Oscar. <laughs> and as we were oh, about like yeah. how this is going to go, I was just telling him like how happy I was for you to get back into like your true love, which is music. Right. How, how badass that is. But really, what I want to end up end on with this is like somebody's listening to this because this is just you know you want to help people. I'm in the business of helping people. Someone's listening to this. This is going to be their like seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twenty fifth time that they've heard the message. Like maybe it's time I need to get sober. Maybe it's time I need to really deal with this thing that I've not that I can't control anymore. So, like, what do you want to say to that one person who's listening right now? It's in your hands. You know, there's nothing that I can say that's going to. A lot of people told me a lot of things, but something that my intake counselor told me last time was like, yeah, just remember you gave yourself permission, <laughs> you know, on that last relapse. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I did. And so, <laughs> you know, whoever's listening out there that can, you know, whoever has ears, let them hear, you know, yeah. you're giving yourself permission. This life is on you. <laughs> like yeah. in 90, you know, it's like, in so quickly your life can change, you know what I mean? Just by making different decisions. Not that it's going to be hard because I understand the struggle. Okay. It's the hardest thing you're going to need, you're going to ever do, but you know, you know, high effort, you know, high, a uh, high intensity is going to also, there's also like high rewards with that. I mean, the kind of life that you lead is the kind of life that you were meant to lead. Yeah. You're keeping yourself I was keeping myself from the life that I'm having now. Like my life right now is like so dope. The artist that I value so much, he stuck, you know, he stuck by me, man. He's like, we're, we're, we're like, cool. You know what I mean? And like, you know, he's seen me, you know, you know, he's called me, you know, and, and he's seen me, I called him one time and, and I wasn't doing well, you know, and, and he, you know, he's seen a transformation. And, and so people around me that I've seen a transformation are inspired. And so not only, 
can your life be better, but you end up inspiring other people by just like showing that, Hey, it's possible. Yeah. You know? And, uh, as far as like, you know, the, what the podcast is, right. Can we, is there anything that we can say on that? Like say whatever you want, man. Yeah. So what is the the intent of, I mean, the, the, so what I say with him is that like, if there's one person out there who is going to hear, hear a story about someone going through their darkest time and finding one ladder on the rung of triumph, of healing, of getting out of darkness, of stepping out of the family patterns that have, that has felt like a curse to them of loving themselves a little bit more than the day before of hearing someone else say like, actually sobriety is possible. Transformation is possible. Healing is possible. Like that's the purpose of this. And I do it for the one. And maybe, maybe there's one guy who hears it. Maybe your story is telling me like, you know, take it seriously, Ronald, like take it seriously. Like I, I can't gamble with this. Like, so that's, that's why I'm doing this, dude. I, I, I'm in the, I'm like, I knew at 14 years old, I wanted to be a person who helped people spiritually. I couldn't find the right box. It took me a long time to find that right. And I don't even want to call a box. I needed to get out of the box. You know, like I'm like you, like, I don't want to do what you tell me to do. And I don't want to like live in the parameters that you say that I need to. And it took me a long, long time to realize like, Oh, there's actually no rules to this. There's right. no rules. <laughs> right. Like it was all me. It was all me whole, like thinking that I had rules around me and, and my greatest gift to myself and to the world is that like, I get to walk with one person at a time through whatever they might be going through and everything that has been difficult, hard, crazy, black, dark, uncharted territory, like it then gets like turned into strength and a little bit of help for somebody else. So that's it, man. (laughs) Well, I, I can say this to that. Okay. Um, one thing that I came up to in my mind on, on, on my ride today was I was right. You know, we're born already knowing a lot about life. Okay. Yeah. And I remember being five years old. And at that time, my dad was drinking at a time. He hasn't drank in like 50 years, 40 something years. Right. Um, but at that time he was drinking. I remember being five years old, looking around and there was a lot of, you know, my mom had left. And there was a lot of like just bad things happening. Right. And I remember at five years old looking around and having this thought that like, there's something better than this to life. Like life is better than this. This is, this is, there's gotta be better. Right. If at five years old, I knew that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that know inside themselves that that voice is still there. Like life is better than whatever I'm going through right now. I can listen to that voice. It's it's right. That voice is right. Yeah. Your own voice, your own voice is what is right. Listen to that. <laughs> that is so good. That's like, you don't know this, but I, I work with men every single day, helping them reconnect to that voice. Mm. That thing that they've been given since birth, since before birth, that actually can lead them on the right path. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you for saying that. You're welcome, man. Dude. And, uh, it's been yeah. good. Where can we find more about you? Like, how do I find 52 blend? Like what, what do you want to put out there for us to, to, uh, to link to? Yeah. 52 blend.com. That's the, the number five, two, and then B 
L-E-N-D. Um, that's really what it is. It's just a blend of people, cultures, ideas. You know, it's not one particular thing, but it's definitely around, you know, music, events, when we get back to live events again, and, uh, you know, really dope artists. Um, and check out QVLN, Q, V as in Victor, L, N as in Nancy, QVLN. Just search them online. Very talented, independent artist. Cool, man. We'll, we'll link to all that, dude. Man, what a gift. Thank you, Oscar. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Like I thought yeah. I, I thought I had built you up into like something rad beforehand and <laughs> you blew out of that. Like that is like way, way cooler. No, man. Thank you for providing the space. I appreciate it. Yeah. Daniel, I hope, I hope uh, all three of us get to hang out one day. Love it. Nice to I, I was thinking again. there's probably a high probability once it all opens back <laughs> up, we're gonna be like hanging in Long Beach or something, dude. Cool. Nope. Thanks. You're always welcome. All right. All right, Jets. Have a good one. Yeah, good luck. Everybody, welcome to Field Dressing. Today we talked to Oscar Marino. That was heavier than I was expecting. That is not actually not at all what I was expecting. I think some I was wondering if like people thought this was a setup because he's the second guy we've had on talking specifically about alcohol. And and the addiction cycles and and all that stuff and and guys, that was not on my radar. Was that really heavy though? Um, that's a good question. That's a fair question. I don't know. I mean, I I was lit up by. Are you respecting that it might be heavy to someone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Fair enough. And I'm also respecting the fact that he's like, I haven't told a lot of people about this. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, it, it wasn't like it, it was something he balked even for a second at, dude. And what, what's not. rad about that? My relationship with that guy is that I was uh, 22 years old. I had a fresh theology degree, which essentially qualifies you for nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And I was living in Orange County which is a very expensive place and was expensive back then. And I needed a job and I, and I was like looking for the signs, like how can I find this job? And I saw a company truck for the company he worked for, which was a, which is still a multi hundreds of million dollars company and saw the guy in this company truck get out. And, and this dude looked happy. He was like doing his job being rad about it and just was, you know, and I walked up to him. Okay, man, do you like your job? You like the company you work? Really? Yeah. He's like, this is a great company. You should go work for them. And, and so I went to go apply for the job that he had, like the, the guy in the truck doing the stuff. And, and instead um, I ended up interviewing with Oscar and he's like, no, you're going to work here with me in the office and we're going to do all this other (laughs) stuff. And, and then it went up and I told, you know, we talked about the interview process in there and here's, what's crazy. Then my next employer, like my very next employer, cause I, I ended up leaving California. We went to Santa Fe, uh, where my ex-wife started, uh, grad school, the company that I had worked for actually tried to open an office for me in Santa Fe. Couldn't do it in time. It, you know, it takes a long time. And, and, and so I ended up working elsewhere. So I, at, answer an ad in the paper that says, uh, do you like working with adolescents need full-time tutor? I answer the ad in the paper. I end up working for a family of, uh, billionaires. Like they're an actual billionaire family. 
from New York, had been in Santa Fe for a while. Uh, and he was the guy who started that company, the company that Oscar worked. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did you tell, I mean, obviously. Yeah. He connected, like, he's like, oh, I started that company. (laughs) Throw away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's a heck of a coincidence. It is a weird coincidence. How long did you work for that guy? Tutoring his family. I work, (laughs) that's it. We could probably do a whole episode. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) That was an intense experience. A year of my life, like, Flying first class all over the world, yachts, um, <laughs> you know, first class in Las Vegas, private, uh, private um, tours of Carnegie Hall, like as a tutoring what? Two thirteen-year-old kids, just in general. I was really, today? I was really a manny, is what I was. Like I was hired as a tutor. Like I was. You know, I would show up between like 2.30 and 3 in the afternoon. Like right after school. Right after school. And I would just make sure their homework was done and check it out. And that was it. But For then like a few hours? Yeah. Like five days a week, what four days a week. interesting job. And I got paid like teacher money to do it. <laughs> like, like teacher money. And I had a couple of jobs at that point in my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 22 years old and I'm making dope what, cash. What, what ended that? Um, what ended that was, um, one is they asked me just for a year and two, by the time I got to the end of it, I couldn't hit the ejector seat fast enough. Wow. And, and, and part of that was that there was some insane unhealthy cycles in that family that scared me to my bones. Like I, I ended up having to call the police, getting the school involved, not on the old guy, but just some other things going on. Wow. And, um, and it was intense, man. It was like, huh. it, I lost a lot of sleep working. For did, that did you ever tell Oscar about that? I didn't. Oh, probably, I meant to tell him actually, yeah, I was oh, going to yeah. bring it up and be like, you won't believe this, <laughs> but the guy I worked for after you was the guy well, who started the company. That, that was one of the for. things. Yeah. I was surprised to hear about is that you, yeah. you fell into that conversation with him as if you were, I thought, I thought you were friends. Like we see each other friends and you were like, yeah, I haven't seen this guy in 17 years or something. I mean, I, I, have, I, I haven't physically seen him since yeah. 2002, but, but he's the kind of guy who's, who has always made himself available for me. And so like maybe every five, six years, we've had a phone conversation Yeah. at times in my life where I really needed to talk to an older guy about some like professional advice or family advice or something. And it, the stuff we talked about on, the, on that on today's episode never it came, came up, up yeah. for either of us, <laughs> and and I think that's an interesting thing that it finally we've both matured enough that actually yeah. like okay we we need to address oh, this that stuff dude, in our life. He's you, you you guys are aligned. I mean, that's funny. He said yeah, the man. longest to his his sobriety, his longest sobriety was seven years, which you're about to come up on in two months. Yeah, you know. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And then even hearing that right now is really humbling because I, I don't take it for granted. I know that it's not without a lot of effort, intentionality, awfulness. Yeah. And to hear, and to hear him describe that, man, like I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, look, I had 20 years under my belt. Yeah decided you know i retired and 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 i could afford to take my whole family to europe i'm in europe and my family's like you know dad you have a glass of wine be a grown-up like you deserve this (laughs) 
And he's like, yeah, I deserve this. And has a glass of wine and like wakes up the next day, like with like no shirt on in the streets of Paris, like not sure how he got there. Yeah. Like these, I've heard more than a few stories like that where it's like, it's just something, wow. Some ball starts rolling and it gets out of that first night. I would have thought it would generally, I know nothing about this, be more like, yeah, a glass of wine turned into two a year later. And then I probably, years. that's probably the majority of stories. It, yeah. yeah. But the, but I've, I've just happened to have heard yeah. those other stories enough that I'm like, Oh gosh. Well, I, I really like appreciated he not knowing anything about yeah. him. Cause I went, went into that one pretty cold. He seemed like that he had many, many reasons to not value the, and the things that he does which are not easy things to value, you know? Like, he just seemed honest and open to discuss um, topics that maybe wouldn't be the easiest, that would be very easy to not talk about. Yeah. You know, and not only did he want to talk about them, and did and spoke about them eloquently and and, and from an, an informed place, but he actually said, too, if I remember correctly, that he valued talking about those things like those are that's actually important for him to do that which is obviously what you're all about too it's great uh, my guess is i mean i know that i do that because it actually helps me it helps me stay sober it helps me create the reality i want in my life it helps me become the man i want to be so having to talk about my vulnerabilities having to talk about my my uh, mistakes is it, it helps me a lot that's my guess with him too. I don't know if that, that's yeah. true or not. And, but I know that, you know, the 12th, the 12th step and the 12 steps is to go help somebody. And the biggest way you help somebody is just by telling your story. Hmm. And, and that was a great re- revelation to me in my life is like, at, what I used to think used to be my greatest mistakes and my greatest shames when brought to light, like they're actually my superpowers. And, and I think that is true for anybody who wants it to be true that, that like, if you can bring that stuff to light and share it, like as you have about your, your experience going through your mental health stuff, like that is so helpful. It's a, it's the greatest gift you can give to anybody is your story of getting better through an experience. I mean, I was going to say triumphing, but sometimes it's not triumph. Sometimes it's just like, yeah. I just made it by the skin of my teeth. Especially when the things that you're talking about or that you've experienced are stigmatized. Yeah. And especially on top of that, if you used to be one of the people who stigmatized them, because now you can relate to everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a, that's a good point. I, yeah. Yeah. It, that was an honor total honor and, and delight actually that's why i said like really was that heavy and yeah i, I hear you because yeah. some people maybe just talking about surprise sobriety can be heavy and triggering and i and for a good reason like fair enough and yeah. i just those conversations for me they just align they invigorate me. Yeah. you know I, I walk away from them just going there's a person out there that just gave me their attention and heart you know, and mind and time and just gave it, you know? Yeah, that was solid gold. That was (laughs) solid gold. Thanks for tuning in to Cutting for Sign. Stay tuned. Our next episode, our next guest is going to be a lovely woman who I'm quite attracted to named Morgan Day Cecil, who I'm also married to. Uh, She helps women 
separate themselves, especially around their sexuality and their roles in a family or business from fear, guilt, and shame. And I've been in the business in the world of watching people help other people change their lives. And I've not seen anybody anywhere who does it as well as my wife. I'm really proud to have her on and have a great conversation with her. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> See you guys next time.